In 1972, a comedian named George Carlin did a comedy bit, The Seven Words That You Cannot Say on Television. Well, fast forward about 49 years and you watch television, you can probably hear all seven of those words said at any time. Now, my sons were at the uh, first service, they're 13 to 9, and they want to know what those seven words are, which I can't really say those in church. I can't really say those online for church today, but... Uh, you can hear them on, on your television screens. But I've got six words that I would say that you don't hear a lot on television anymore because they're hard to say, because they're hard to mean. There are also six words that we probably struggle with in our own lives. And so I'll just introduce those to you. The first three are, I am sorry. I'm sorry. And the other three are, I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm sorry, I forgive you. Don't see a lot of that on television. Don't see a lot of that in culture because it's hard for us to wrestle with forgiveness. But we're gonna be doing that because in our world, right, we're human, right? And people hurt each other. Right? We hurt people, people hurt us. And because of that, we have brokenness in relationships. And that's not really how God wants us to live our lives. In fact, God wants us to live our lives to the full and so a way around that is God's great gift to us of forgiveness, which we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. It's based on a book by Pastor Adam Hamilton, which I can highly recommend to you. Uh, it's just an amazing read. And we're going to be looking at what Scripture teaches us about forgiveness in our lives, because we all know what it's like to have that brokenness. And if we're not able to say that, I am sorry, then our lives are going to be more difficult than they need to be. And if we're not able to say, I forgive you, we're going to carry around with us a great deal of bitterness and anger and hatred and even a desire for revenge. And so we've got to figure a way out how to be able to say and to mean those words. And I don't know about you, but, you know, questions that come to my mind when we think about forgiveness is, you know, how do I avoid carrying around all of the bitterness and rage and anger and hatred and and desire for revenge against people who have wronged me and have never asked me for forgiveness. How do, I, how do I release that? Or on the other side of that, what about the people that I have hurt, the people that, that I have wronged, and how can, how can I get rid of some of that guilt? But more importantly, how can I be reconciled to the people that I have hurt in my life? And so today and this week and throughout this series, I just would invite you to... to to really wrestle with and think about the people that maybe you have hurt and you've not yet had a chance to reconcile with or people who have hurt you and, and they have no interest in reconciling, but how can we right, find peace by letting go of some of this? And so that's our goal is to, is to dive in and, and to figure out how we can do that together. Uh, and you know, when we talk about forgiveness in the Bible, right, it really kind of goes back to the concept of sin. 
Right? I know we hear the word sin and we just kind of cringe because sin has been a word that's been kind of overused in a lot of churches. There's been a lot of hellfire and damnation and sermons preached on that kind of stuff. But when we really think about what sin is, right, it's, it's why we need forgiveness is because sin comes into life. Let's look at what sin means in the Bible. In the Old Testament with Hebrew, the New Testament with Greek, sin simply means to miss the mark. So think about like if you're playing a game of darts and you want to hit the bullseye, right? If you don't, you miss the mark. Uh, another way of talking about sin is to stray from the path, right? You, you get off the path. So as we think about, well, what's the mark that we want to hit in life? What's the path that we're supposed to be walking on? I, I think it's this. It's, it's to be in right relationships, to be in right relationships with God, to be in right relationships with each other, right? So when we walk the path, when we hit the mark, we, we are in right relationships with God, with each other, which means that we tell the truth, which means that we are faithful. It means that we love each other. And so that's the way that we do that. But in our lives, there's so much temptation to get off the path. There's so much temptation to miss the mark because there are evil forces in the world. And they delight at nothing more than stirring us up and causing division in relationships between us and God and us and, and one another. Our family, friends, our church family, right? And so we have this temptation to overcome. Even with the very first people that God creates, Adam and Eve, right? There's, there's temptation. God says, you can have pretty much anything you want with the exception of one thing. What do Adam and Eve do? They do the one thing they're not supposed to do. And so we see brokenness in relationships from the very first start, right? So we're creating God's image, which is good, but we also have this human nature that has brokenness within that. So we're challenged uh, by this. And so basically we create kind of a gap between us and God, a gap between us and, and each other, and then so the goal then is to bring that gap closer together, right? The goal is to reconcile with one another. The goal is to get back on the path, to, to hit that mark again, and, and to be reconciled with the people in our lives, with God, in ways that we've harmed them. So I just want to invite you again to be thinking about who is it in your life that you need to forgive? Who is it in your life that you need to ask forgiveness from? And so our whole series are going to be talking about this. We're going to talk about specifics, like specific family relationships, friendships, right, relations in church, even strangers. What does that look like? How do we have different types and levels of forgiveness? But today, I think we need to start by thinking about our relationship with God. Because when we do wrong in the world, when we don't follow God's will, then we put a gap between us and God. And so we hurt God when we sin. We also hurt our relationship with God when we sin against other people. And so I think the best place for us to start is our relationship with God. How have we distanced ourselves from God? Because I don't know about you, but in my life, sometimes my sins pile up. And sometimes I don't address them. And I don't take them to God. And they begin to weigh me down. Right? It becomes like this burden. And it, sometimes it seems like when I pray that they don't, the prayers don't get past the ceiling because there's a lot of stuff in my life that, that's, that's not going right in my relationship with God. A lot of times, sometimes I can not feel the presence of God when I want to feel the presence of God. Sometimes because of my sin, my life just seems so much harder than it needs to be. And I just think sometimes we just we feel this burden of sin in our lives, this unconfessed burden that, that weighs us down. Let's look in the, in the Bible and see if you ever feel this way. This is from the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, chapter 38. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I'm bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. 
My back is filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. You ever felt burdened by sin, burdened by guilt, burdened by shame? Just want you to imagine in your life right now that you're, you're wearing a backpack, okay? It could be like a, a backpack for hiking. It could be a camouflage backpack. You could have a kitty cat on your backpack or well, whatever, right? We got backpacks that we're wearing. And I want you to imagine in our lives that the sins that we commit, right, when we miss the mark, when we stray from the path, we're kind of represented by, by rocks, okay? And, and so sometimes the sin that we commit, right, they're, they're small, they're minor. You could think of them as like a pebble, Right? Maybe we tell a white lie or you know, maybe we let a bad word slip here or there. But it's, it's like these pebbles in our lives that we're doing to God or to others. And so for every small sin that you commit, just imagine throwing those into the backpack. Now, at first, it's not going to be a problem, is it? You know, pebble here, pebble there. But five pebbles today and ten pebbles tomorrow and five pebbles the next day after a week or two, right? That backpack is getting pretty heavy. And our lives are, are feeling kind of burned and, and, and heavy and, and weighing us down, but, but you and I know we also do some things in life that are more than pebbles, right? That, that, that's more than hurting someone with just throwing a pebble. Right? Sometimes we have some medium-sized rocks, right? We say something hateful to, to someone on the way out uh, of the door in the morning to a loved one, to a family member, or we, we, we do something, you know, passive-aggressive to someone that we work with, or, or at school we bully somebody. Maybe we stuff some kid into a locker and and lock it in. We think it's funny, right? But these are like, these are medium-sized rocks that we're carrying around, and, and we place those in our backpack, right? We have medium-sized sin, medium-sized uh, rock today, another two tomorrow, and again, that back backpack with the pebbles and the medium-sized rocks is weighing us down. We also know it, it doesn't stop there. And some of us commit some, some big, atrocious things in our lives, right? Some of us do criminal actions and activities, you know? Some of us We'll have an affair, right? Some of us just, you know, are, are doing some terrible things like abusing one another emotionally or, or physically or even sexually, right? Some, some major rocks that, that we're having in our life, and that goes in the backpack too. And so pretty soon, those pebbles and those medium-sized rocks and those heavy rocks, man, they are weighing us down, and we just feel so far from God, and we feel so guilty, we feel so ashamed, like our lives are just not what they, we want them to be. They're not to the full, they're to the empty. And we're carrying those burdens, and we're carrying those burdens. You know what that, that feels like? How heavy is your pack, brothers and sisters? How heavy is your pack? The things that you've done against God, the things that you have done against one another, how heavy of a pack are you carrying today? Now, the good news is that God is ready to help us. God wants to help us. God wants to take the backpacks off of our back, right? The whole story of God in the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation, it's all about God being in right relationship with us. It's all about God saying to us when we mess up, you know, I love you anyway, right? I'm here to forgive you. Let me take the burden off of you, right? That, the whole message is about, the, the Bible is about reconciliation. It's about healing. It's about coming back to God. Yes, sin is real and guilt is real and shame is real and hell is real, right? Broken relationships, Right? But that's just a symptom of, of something that, that God's ready to take care of. The whole gospel message is that God is ready to forgive us. 
and to love us and to give us joy and peace and to take the guilt and the shame away and to restore our relationships and to give us forgiveness and life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven, to give us grace, right? This unmerited favor, the good news of the gospel is God's ready to take our burdens from us, right? And so that's what we're talking about, right? In the Old Testament, right, what happened was God gave the people a, a sacrificial system where if you did something wrong, you had to sacrifice some sort of animal, right? And so it, it, it cost a price. It, animals were expensive. They were the livelihood of the day. An animal had to die. Some blood had to be shed because to forgive sins is a serious thing. And so there had to be a sacrifice that was made. And then with the New Testament, the coming of Jesus, God himself, who comes from heaven to the earth, right, makes the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, gives up his life, Right? He dies, his blood is shed so that you and I can be forgiven, so that burden can be taken from us, so that we can have that, uh, uh, the light, right? the lightness of having the burden taken from us and have that life to the full and life forever in the glorious kingdom of heaven. Right? Jesus made that sacrifice for us. And we know that God is ready to forgive us. Right? Let's check this out in, in some of the scriptures. Right From Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he, all, will he harbor his anger forever. Right? He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Right? Look at that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. We don't get what we deserve because of God's goodness. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, think about that. How far is the east from the west? So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Yes, we've messed up. Yes, we've done bad things. But when we are forgiven, God just he chucks them so far away, you'll never see them again. You'll never be influenced by them again, right? We serve a God who is all about reconciliation and loving us and forgiving us and welcoming us home, right? We even see it, right? Before Jesus is even born, we know what his mission is. The angel has come to Joseph and has come to Mary and talking about how the, that God wants them to be the earthly parents of Jesus. And in Matthew's gospel, we see Joseph's side of this. And this is what the angel says to Joseph. But after... Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means God saves, right? Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins, right? Before Jesus is even born, we know what he's going to do. He's coming to forgive us. He's coming to bring us back from our, our sinful nature, right? He's ready to win us back to life to the full and, and life forever. And then when Jesus does come to the earth and grows up to be a man, right, he spends most of his time with people who were considered sinners in his day, that, that the religious people didn't want to hang out with. And, and that Jesus spent time with them because he wanted to know that God loved them and that, that there was a better way for them. Right? And the religious leaders needed Jesus' forgiveness just as much. They just didn't realize it, right? But Jesus, right, he walked the walk. He talked the talk. And, and one time there was a woman who had had an affair, and a crowd of people had found out, and they were going to kill her. They had rocks and these stones they were going to throw at her. They were going to stone her to death because the law allowed that. And Jesus intervened, and he said, okay, whoever is here who has never sinned, who has not done anything wrong, right, you throw the first stone. And, of course, all of them, right, had to drop their stones because who among them was perfect? No one except for Jesus. 
And then Jesus turns to the woman and he says this. He straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus forgave her and says, get back on the path. Get back working towards hitting that mark, right? You're forgiven. You messed up. Yeah, you messed up. I forgive you. Let's get back on the path together. I will help you walk that path together. Right? And we, just, we continue to see it when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray the Lord's Prayer, right, which was we pray in our church, right? Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us. The last night that Jesus was with his disciples at the Last Supper, right, he took bread and he broke it, he took wine and he gave it to his disciples to drink. And he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, right? It is symbolic of Jesus shedding his blood so that our sins can be forgiven. And then, right, when Jesus was dying on the cross, when he had done nothing wrong, and he's been nailed to this cross. He's suffocating to death, and all these people around him are being mocking him and being cruel and, and doing terrible things. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In the worst moment of Jesus' life, right, he's being tortured to death, dying right on this cross, and he asked God to forgive the people that put him up there on that cross. God is all about a fresh start. God is all about forgiveness. God is all about taking that burden, that backpack of those pebbles and those medium-sized rocks and those boulders that we have in there off of our back. So what's it like in your life? How do you receive this concept of forgiveness and, and this idea that God is ready to, to welcome us back and, and to give us a new start and to give us life to the full and, and to take our guilt and shame and replace it with joy and peace? I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, wow, that's just too good to be true. It is too good to be true. Or, or, you know what, maybe that's true for some other people, but you don't know about me. You don't know the thoughts that I have. You don't know the, the, you haven't done the things that I've done. You just don't know how bad a person I am. Yeah, Jesus probably died for a lot of people, but he didn't die for me. There's no hope for me to be forgiven. Or maybe some of us, you know, think, well, logically that makes sense, but in my heart, I just don't feel it. Have you ever felt that way? Well, just know that, that that is not true, right? No matter what you've done, no matter what you've left undone, no matter what you've said, no matter how bad you think you are, God loves you and God is ready to welcome you back. God is ready to forgive you and take your guilt and shame and your death and your brokenness in hell and replace that with joy and peace and life to the full. You can never be too far from God. So how do we do it? How do we receive the forgiveness of Jesus? Well, one, it's a, it's a free gift, so we've got to figure out just how to receive that. But in the Bible, just as we talk about the theological concept of sin, there's also the theological concept of repentance, right? This is what it means in the Bible. To repent, the Greek word is metanoia, right, is to have a change of heart that results in a change of behavior, right? To have a change of heart that results in a change of of behavior. So the first part of, of forgiveness is we've got we've to recognize what's going on in our lives, right? We've got to recognize that there, a change needs to be made. There has to be some kind of a diagnosis, right? Well, we know why doctors exist. They exist to heal, right? They exist to help us get better. But where does a doctor start? The doctor starts with a diagnosis. This is what's wrong with you. And so we're going to work on this to make this better so that you're healed. 
right? And so the same thing is true with sin. We, we've got to recognize that there's a problem. We've got to recognize that we have violated relationships with God and with each other. And so it leads to this process of repentance, which, which says, I am a sinner. I've got some, some issues. I've got some things that I need to ask God to make right in my life. And usually it's the Holy Spirit that, that convicts us in our hearts, right? Our conscience is kind of a, a part of the Holy Spirit that makes us feel guilty. Maybe it's a, it's a friend or a family member. Maybe it's something we read in the Bible. Maybe we, we hear something at church, right? Jesus gets a hold of us. The Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and lets us know that there is a problem. And so Jesus is a solution, right? He died on the cross and came back to life. He made the sacrifice. So we have to accept that. And the Bible says that repentance is that, right? We, got, we have to have a change of heart. Say, God... I've messed up, and I'm tired of carrying this burden. I'm tired of this guilt and shame. I'm tired of doing the wrong thing. Lord, I want to leave that behind. I want you to change my heart and, and change my behavior. I don't want to keep doing these things that are dragging me down, right? And so we ask God to step in. We, we say, God, thank you for dying on the cross. Right? I believe that, Lord. Now, please, hear my confessions. This is what I've done wrong. This is what I want to leave behind. Lord, help turn my heart around. Help turn my behavior around, right? We can't do it without the help of God. God's the heavy lifter here, but we have to cooperate. We have to cooperate and say, God, I'm here, but I want to be there. Right? Check this out uh, in the Psalms again. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, God, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Right? So a part of repentance is confessing, Right? It's turning around right from our sin, turning towards God. And we confess and we ask God for forgiveness. Right? We believe, we confess, we ask God for forgiveness in our lives. And God is ready to grant that. Right? God is ready to grant that in our lives. Uh, and it's not magic because Jesus paid a high price for this. Right? But God is ready to forgive us. Right? God is ready to give us that fresh start, to take that backpack full of those rocks off of us so that we can live a life that is full. I read a story about a pastor who was pastoring in the Philippines uh, on the other side of the world, and he was a great pastor. He did a lot of good things for God, a lot of awesome things. Uh, and he was carrying around some guilt, though, for one, one thing that he did in seminary that was just wrong, uh, and he was not ever able really to let that go. And so no matter all the good things that he did for God, he still carried this guilt and this shame around with him in his life, and he, just, he was really wrestling with it. So even people who are close to God can still wrestle with things, and he wasn't really thinking rationally about his own sin, but that's what sin does, is it twists us, it twists our heads and, and our hearts, and so he just always had this thing in his, in his heart that was just like dragging him down. Well, there's a woman in his congregation who had dreams and visions, and she believed that she could talk to Jesus, and Jesus would talk to her, and you know, that's, that's biblical. There's a lot of ways in the Bible where people hear from Jesus through dreams and visions, and and people began to hear that she did this. And people in the congregation would, would take things to her and ask her to, to talk to Jesus. And then, does Jesus have anything to say back to me? And, and so she would do that. And, and, the, and the pastor was a little skeptical, right? Because now we all have the, the, the direct access to Jesus ourselves. We don't have to go through a, 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 an intermediary. Jesus is right. He did that for us. We can go to God directly through Jesus. And, and so the pastor was a little skeptical, but he also still believed in dreams and visions because it's in Scripture. And so one day he, he decided to put her to the test. And he, he came to her and he said, look, when I was in seminary, I did something that was really wrong, really sinful. I, I want you next time, if you will, when you're dreaming and you see Jesus, to ask Jesus about that sin. 
And if Jesus can tell you what I did, then I'm going to believe that what you're doing is true, and I'd be glad to promote what you're doing, and, and we'll celebrate all of that. And, and, and so she went away saying that she would do that. But what I think the pastor really was wanting was for Jesus to give him a message to say that he's forgiven, right, to lighten the load or whatever it is. So he, I think he had dual motives in this. So a few days went by, then a couple of weeks went by, and the pastor's just, you know, really wanting to hear from this woman, hoping that, that something's going to come his way. And so finally she comes back, and he said, well, did you, did you see Jesus in a dream? She's like, yeah, I saw him. Did you talk to Jesus about me? She's like, yeah, I did. Well, what did he say? Did he, did, he, did he tell you what I did? And she said, well, you know, I saw Jesus, and I said, hey, look, my pastor's this awesome pastor. He's a great guy, right? And, and he said that he did something back in seminary that was really just wrong and sinful, and he's not been able to move past that. And he wants to know, do you, Jesus, remember what that is? Jesus said to the woman in her dream, he said, I, I know your pastor. He's a good pastor, and he, he's done a lot of things. And you know what? For the life of me, I just don't remember the sin from his seminary. And he didn't mean that he forgot about what it was, but that he no longer held it against him, that Jesus had forgotten it. He'd let it go. He'd forgiven him and moved forward, right? Just as as the distance from the east to the west is, right? Our sins that are let go by God, they're gone. Right? And it reminds me of this passage in Jeremiah in the Old Testament that says this. These are God's words. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, right? We all can know God individually, right? Jesus is direct access to God. We will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And here's the really cool part. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. I will remember their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. That doesn't mean that God forgets, right? Because God knows everything. God doesn't forget. But when he says, I will remember their sins no more, he chooses not to hold it against us anymore. Right? He chooses not to hold it against us anymore. Pastor, that was years ago that what you did in seminary. I forgave that then. It's gone. And I'm just wondering how many of us are hanging on to things that God has already forgiven. Or, or we're afraid to go to God because we think that God's not going to forgive us. But here, the scripture is clear, right? When God forgives us, he lets it go, right? He doesn't hold it against us anymore. He remembers it no more, right? So there's hope. There's good news, right? Reconciliation is possible through the power of God. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway today? This is what I think it is. You can bear the burden of sin, or you can let Jesus lighten the load, right? You can bear the burden, right? You can keep wearing the backpack full of pebbles and medium-sized rocks and big rocks and boulders, right? You can bear the burden, right? Or you can let Jesus lighten the load, right? Jesus died on a cross and he came back to life, right? So that we can be forgiven, right? So what's our role? Because Jesus does the heavy lifting. This is what I invite you to do. Repent and be forgiven, right? Go to Jesus. Confess what you've done. But, and ask Jesus for a change of heart. Ask Jesus for the change of, of behavior. Ask Jesus to leave that stuff behind, right? Forgive you and get you back on the path, right? Head towards that mark because that's God's good news. That's God's gift to us today. We can truly let Jesus lighten our load, right? We can release that burden to God. And this weekend is a, is a great time to do that, right? In America, this weekend we remember Right, on Memorial Day weekend, the people, the men and the women who sacrificed their lives so that we can live free in the United States of America. 
And we're grateful for that sacrifice. And we're sad that people had to do that, right? But they gave their lives. Men and women gave their lives so that we can be free. What a gift that is. That's exactly what Jesus did. Right? He gave his life so that you and I can be free. That we can be free of guilt. That we can be free of shame. That we can be free of brokenness. Right? That we can, we can be free of of the backpack, of all the wrong that we've done that's wearing us down, right? Jesus is ready to take that from us and instead give us joy and peace and life that is full and life that is everlasting. That is God's gift to us today. You can bear the burden or you can let Jesus lighten the load. Brothers and sisters, on this Memorial Day weekend, I want you to remember those who died for us especially Jesus who died for us, to give us freedom. You don't have to bear the, the burden of your sin anymore because of what Jesus has done for you, right? So repent, be forgiven, let Jesus lighten your load, and know that in the name of Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Now, as a response to that great news, I just would invite you to stand at home or here in the sanctuary and let's offer our hearts and our praise to God.